You're listening to the Party Girl Podcast with Chelsea Curtis, episode 12. So today I'm so excited to give you the recap on the 80s ladies dance party from last night. So I have been hosting dance parties since 2016, and it's just been this fun way for me to bring women together. But honestly, in the beginning, I didn't know what I wanted to do besides create this dance party space and crunch numbers. So it would look like this. Okay, if I have a dance party and I sell the tickets for $25, every 100 tickets is $2,500. And if I did that, you know, three times or five times or whatever, it would be this super lucrative, profitable business model. I think that was a big appeal to me is thinking about the financial benefits of doing a dance party. But I quickly learned that dance parties are not motivated. You cannot be motivated to do them by money alone because what happens is the genuine reasons of why people want to get together aren't there. And if you don't have a mission behind what you're doing, behind the movement you're creating, it's hard for people to buy into it. And it took me a long time to realize that it's not just having good music and cool things to do at your party that make it worthwhile and worth coming to. You really need to create something that people can be excited about. And so some of the struggles that I've had in my dance party, the biggest struggles were learned over time, recognizing that the more I did them, the more I was able to hone in and find my voice. So I, you know, in the beginning, it's like my first dance party had 148 people. The second one had 221. The third one had 289, which was, you know, nine tickets away from being sold out. And I think you would look at a track record like that and say, this is only going to grow. But I wasn't making the fundamental changes in my business model and in the purpose of the parties for them to actually sustain that fan base more than just a fun party. Like it didn't have enough meaning. There wasn't a mission. And it became very clear that the fourth party I did, I only had 125 people. And so I took it really, really hard. And I blamed a lot of external factors like, oh, it was in April, which is spring break, and that's always really hard. And I blamed that it happened to be the same time I was competing for Mrs. Utah running in that pageant. And so I, was, I wasn't I was putting as much time into it. And instead of recognizing where I literally had just missed the mark and fallen short for my party guests and not delivering really what I know I was capable of. I think in the moment, I didn't think about it, but it was just things like being disingenuous and you know, trying to come up with how Chelsea, me, could entertain these ladies and give them this magical night and you know, what routines would I have to practice and what, you know, funny lines would I have to memorize or just like, how could I, how could I get them to fall in love with me? Because that's clearly what was selling the parties. And I'm going to tell you what really sells the parties. Um, but I did want to recap how the day went yesterday. And I have to say that being an event planner and hosting your own events are two different things. When you get to host events for a client and you just get paid to put it together. Oh man, that is like easy, fun. You don't have to worry about, I mean, you have things to worry about, but you don't have to worry about selling it. The people are going to come because they're invested in whoever hired you, right? 
They've already built that platform. So you just get to do the fun part and put it all together. So yesterday was an extremely busy day. We got to the venue and we just immediately started setting up. It was an 80s theme 80s fitness theme party. But of course, I always say the most important thing is coming, not dressing up. So if you want to dress up in any sort of 80s clothes, that's wonderful. If you don't want to dress up and you feel uncomfortable, just come. That's not the most important thing, right? So we got the stages set up and we set up like 10 black lights that we hung from the ceilings, as well as some railing above and from the front of the stage with the DJ. And a new fun thing that we added was the DJ has this big projector screen that he puts up behind himself. And then we push the stage forward about 10 feet, and then he's able to project images and movies on the background, which is super cool. And it just kind of added this whole new element. Of course, we had photo booths where um, I have a, a photo booth guy that I work with that has a green screen, which is super fun. I create a couple of photo booth areas. One of them featured a sign that said the hashtag of the event, which was hashtag 80s ladies dance party. And then it had a spin bike, like from the 80s, the kind that the more you pedal, like the little dial would go up. It was from the thrift store. I think it was $15. And I honestly felt like it was a sign when I found it a couple weeks ago. I was like, this is meant to be. It's supposed to be at my party. And some people had such a good time with that. Um, You know, we had food vendors there and we had some um, lip sense girls doing makeup and we had produce, which is a, a blow dry bar that's here in Utah, come and do braids and hair crimping. And I had this black light makeup station where you could paint on, it looked like watercolors and you paint it on with water and these little um, palettes and you paint it all over your face. You can paint your arms, you can paint whatever. And it glows in the black light and it's not very noticeable in regular light, but in the black light, it just lights up and it's so crazy. So I want to talk to you a little bit about, like, I know obviously after doing 15 events for myself, I know a lot about what makes a good experience as far as the guests coming, but it's not enough to just have cool things at your party. Like I said, you have to have a mission and you have to understand that there are external factors that are out of your control, but what can you give to the people who come? So that party, um, the fourth party I did, the one I talked about where I was doing the pageant and only 120 something people came. The reason that that party was so awful and it was such a downer, like that party hurt my business so much was because I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed that I came from this high of almost selling out a dance party after a year of hard, hard work and trying to really put it together to having half of the attendance at the next event. And I just, I wasn't grateful for the people who came. I was like apologizing that it was so empty and I didn't see it then, but I'm sure listening to this, you're just cringing thinking, Oh no, Chelsea, no, don't tell me you did that. Because what ended up happening was I completely isolated everyone who was there and they just felt so awkward because here you have people that bought a ticket were excited to come. And then here I'm apologizing that the dance floor isn't full, you know? So make sure you really spread your wings and dance really big because this party isn't very big and it's not very great. And it like was such a downer. And After that experience, I had this really hard pageant that I had to go through. And the pageant was something that I had never considered doing, even though I've been asked multiple times at different points in my life to do. Um, The reason that I struggled so much was you put everything into it and you're kind of promised like networking opportunities and you'll be able to, you know, have other 
connections and things come up from this. And it really wasn't like that at all. It, it really felt kind of like, you know, we'll just give you the bare minimum because it only costs, I think, like $700 to register or something, which isn't a lot for pageants, I guess. Or maybe it is. I don't know. It depends on which system you use. But um, you pay this fee. They teach you how to do a couple of like catwalk classes and some modeling. And then you have to submit all this paperwork. And then that's that. And then they have judges that I don't know if this is always the case, but I mean, some of my judges out of the six was like a photographer was one. There was two realtors. And I think there were a couple ex-pageant girls. Um, but I'm like, why are realtors <laughs> sitting on this panel, right? What do they have to do with pageants at all? And so it was just one of those things that um, you did it. You know, we tried to have fun, but it kind of got a little cutthroat to the end. And there were there were girls in the pageant who weren't very kind. There was one in particular who started to create rumors about me and say that um, the pageant was rigged because I had this social following and it wasn't fair and that everyone needed to write to the directors and say that it wasn't fair that I was participating. Um, And when it got back to me, it just was really ugly and messy. And I thought, this is everything that I wouldn't have signed up for a pageant because this is exactly what I would have thought from movies and things like that. It was so ridiculous how childish and dramatic it became. And for what, like a crown that you could literally buy on Amazon for $25, you know, like it was just one of those things that I had a really hard time because I love to be my best. I love to compete. And so to see that that brought out the worst in other people, it started to bring out the worst in me. And then worst of all, the most vulnerable category. So when you do a pageant, there's a few different categories that you compete in. The first is, you know, the opening number routine. Like, do you know the dance? Like, are you confident? All that. The second is you do your swimsuit, then we did evening gown, and then we did interview question, which is all live in front of an audience on the stage. And so as I was going through this, you know, I had um, I had already lost 80 pounds in a weight loss journey a few years before this, and I actually lost an additional 15 pounds. So I was down to my lowest weight. I think I weighed less than when I got married, and I was feeling really good. I had a swimsuit that was custom-made um, I had somebody sew it to fit my body. Like I, I had a pageant coach. I had all of the things, right? Like it wasn't just like, this is my first rodeo and I, I don't need any help. I mean, I was working really, really hard and, um, in swimsuit when I got the scores back, I didn't win. Um, I didn't even place in the top three, but, um, when I got the scores back, I was devastated. I was completely devastated. And the reason why is in the most vulnerable category for me, swim, which is also AKA fitness, um, one of the judges had scored me a one out of five. And um, gosh, I mean, I think anybody who's willing to get on a stage in a swimsuit to talk about their fitness and to share their experiences is already doing something incredibly brave. And it's unfortunate that I let that one define me for so long. And I just couldn't get over it. I couldn't get over that somebody gave me a one. And all of the childhood insecurities came flooding back about, you know, all the comments about, you know, you're too fat. Or if, you know, if you think back to high school and kids making mean jokes and comparing you to an elephant or thunder thighs or whatever, it's like you think you work through all those things. And then there you are as an adult woman on a stage in a swimsuit and high heels and you just, you know, it all comes flooding back. And um, at the time, I really regretted 
putting myself in that position. I was so angry. I felt so stupid and so foolish. And it took a long time for me to recover from that. And I think my dance party business also took a hit because I couldn't really find my voice. I was thinking, you know, here I am as this voice for married women and I'm going to be this awesome role model. And um, once the pageant is over, there's like nothing. And, and surprisingly, um, every one of my friends that I've talked to that have done pageant and one friend who actually actually was in that pageant with me, she was first runner up. She said that it really messed her up as well, mentally and emotionally that she struggled. And I thought that was interesting. I thought it was interesting how everybody just felt so judged and really, really struggled. And that, you know, even title winners, it's not uncommon for them to hit this really big depression as soon as their year, their reign is over. And that's why a lot of pageant girls are perpetually doing pageants because they like to have that title. And I just decided after about a year and a lot of therapy that, you know, again, this was another stumbling block where I'm trying to seek validation in creating something or being something and wanting people to say, we think you're amazing. And suddenly me believing it. And my therapist told me, you are never going to be enough if you have to get your validation from someone else. It's never going to be enough. It's always going to be this emotional roller coaster of up and down and up and down and up and down. And if that's how you want to live your life, that's that's what you can expect. And it's like I can understand that concept, but actually implementing it was so incredibly hard. And I still feel like I'm working on it. And that was, you know, two and a half years ago. So going back to my dance party yesterday, there were external factors that I, you know, could not control. For starters, the party was in mid-May. Keep in mind that everybody in the whole state of Utah had a dance recital. There was a lantern festival going on up in northern Utah. There was a lantern festival on water going on in the same city that I was having my dance party. There were, you know, banquets for sporting events. There were retirement parties. There were all kinds of things. There were even people that bought tickets to my event who I know are diehards who couldn't come. Like they just didn't come because there was so much going on. And so it would be easy to focus on that and to say, oh, this is, this isn't going how I want. Like I'm just not going to put into it what I want. Because I mean, there's so many, you have to sell so many tickets and you have to work it out so that you can actually break even on the event, which basically means that you work for free putting together something that takes months to put together. Um, but I feel like events are just like that in the, in the grand scheme of your own events. If you do them right, you will either make a ton of money, which isn't the point, but if you do them right, you'll either make a ton of money or if the timing is off, marketing is there, external factors that are out of your control, bad time of year, whatever, um, you're lucky if you break even or you lose a lot of money. And so I've, I've learned the best techniques on how to not lose money. And I definitely don't lose money, but I also don't like to work for free, right? Who likes to work for free? Not, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um, but I decided in that moment, like I knew I had put everything on the line for my party yesterday. I had, you know, photo booths and I had all these experiences and I had coordinated the most amazing food vendors and I paid extra for special lighting and I paid extra to bring in stages where it would have been easy to cancel those things like a week before when I could tell that the party wasn't going to be completely sold out. It would have been easy to save myself a couple thousand dollars and cancel some of those big things. And I didn't because I feel like I would rather 
have it be exactly what I wanted and know I put 110% into it with no regrets that way than to cheap, you know, kind of make it a cheap experience and not be grateful for the people that did come. And so I decided that I was going to focus on gratitude intentionally yesterday and that I was going to live in the moment yesterday. And so I only took a couple of videos just using the video function on my phone, not even live or Instagram or anything like that, because I wanted to just enjoy it. And I really just felt like, okay, here we are. There was only 170 people. That sounds so funny. And that sounds so (laughs) ungrateful. Um, But you have to understand, like, I think we set these expectations up for ourselves where you just feel like you need to improve in some way. Otherwise, it's not good enough. And I think a real master is somebody who can appreciate what's in front of them. And and that's why I say, like, for the 170 people who came, I honestly felt so much gratitude. And I just was so excited for them because they were diehards, you guys. They, like, were all in. Their outfits were amazing. Their hair and makeup and everything was amazing. And and I, I just was there to create this space and and the and the the purpose of my parties and what I've been getting to since the beginning of this episode is that as I've been trying to curate and create this amazing space um you know and entertain these ladies like it doesn't have to be me that's actually not where I excel I don't want to be a performer I don't want to be this celebrity like I really want people to feel like I'm approachable and that I am just grateful to share what I know to help them and if, if if my experiences, if my stories, if any of my events are helpful in some way to either give someone a little ray of sunshine that day or help them unlock something that they've been struggling with, that that's why I'm here and that's why I want to help. And so my new mission for my dance parties as of my uh, Bollywood dance party, um, a few dance parties ago, is to create a stage to share with women who need my talents there's so many talented women who that their talent is creating. Like, for example, one of my performers yesterday, her name is Dixie Mann, and she's the most amazing rapper. The thing I love about her is she's a mom. I want to say she's in her late 30s. And it's like where the world would be telling you like, oh, you shouldn't do this because you are past the mark. Like you're too old to do this or whatever. She's chasing her dreams and she's going for it. And the girl is so incredibly talented. And she writes these songs that make you want to dance, but they have good messages. And I just think that, you know, by combining forces with her and giving her this place where she could just bring her dancers and she only has to worry about performing, it takes such a burden off of my shoulders to have to fill that need. But at the same time, uplifts her and everyone there because it's giving her a platform that she probably wouldn't have otherwise. As well as like we had some high fitness instructors come in. If you're not familiar with high fitness, it's like a uh, dance routine fitness that involves like burpees and squats and they make it fun and they put it to like 90s music and really popular songs. And I had two girls come in and teach high fitness and it just brought such a fun energy. Again, I'm not a fitness instructor. Like who am I to lead some dance? Like I've done that before and it's freaking awkward. (laughs) It like feels awkward. I can tell it's awkward. And so, you know, just bringing my talents and just saying, this is what I have to give. Like who else can give on this space and like coordinating and working together. It has created the coolest environment. And I am just so, so, so grateful for all of the ladies who came out and gave me another opportunity to try to do what I love even better than the last time. And, and I think 
if I can impart any wisdom on you, for those of you who are interested in throwing your own events, whether it's a dance party or conference or a retreat or any kind of event, you know, be grateful. Be so grateful for those lessons. And every time you have something hard that happens, just remember there's something you could learn from this. You're either, you know, learning and and moving forward, or you're going to stay stuck and just blame everybody in the victim game. And I, and believe me, like even with the pageant, like even getting a one, I felt like such a victim. I felt so violated and so hurt and it didn't serve me at all. It only took a year and a half away from my happiness for my life and away from all of the body positivity that I've been working for in my own health journey. And I, I, I kind of just like gave it, I had to just give it to God, honestly, and say like, I don't want this anymore. Please help me just think about something else. Help me just forgive that judge. Help me just love my body and accept that I'm not going to be what everybody wants. And I'm not going to look how everybody wants. I'm not going to sound how everybody wants. It's okay. Like, I'm okay with me, right? Coming full circle. Like, no one is ever going to fill that hole for you if you can't fill it for yourself. As soon as you can understand that you have worth just by existing, just by having creative thoughts, being your own individual, like, you are worthy. I promise you, the more you share your voice and put your message out there, the right people are going to find you and they are going to rally behind you and champion you and your ideas, just like those ladies did for me last night. And I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. I cannot wait to get the videos and the pictures back because that's honestly the most fun. Um, It's just reliving it and just feeling like, you know, I did my best and that's all that I have to give and I feel good about it. So on this beautiful Sunday, I don't know if you're the praying type, but I want to leave you with a little spiritual thought. And it's from um, church today. We we heard the thought that when you pray and ask for help from Heavenly Father, you need to pray and be specific. God cannot answer generalities because I think a lot of the time when we ask God to help us, He wants us to work through that. He wants us to come to Him with a solution to say, okay, God, this is what I thought of. What do you think? And then you you wait for that prompting and then act on it. If you just say, oh God, I'm so, I'm so struggling with this, like make it go away, but I don't have any solutions. It's very hard to get a clear answer on what you're supposed to do. And I just wanted to attest to that. Like if you're struggling and you are the praying type, think about solutions and, and bring your ideas and your specific situation to the savior and to say, Hey, what can you do? You know, this is what I have. Like, how can you help me meet in the middle? And it's just something that personally has helped me gain more clarity. Even if you're not the praying type, think about specifics and put it into the universe or your God or whoever you believe in and ask for specific answers to specific problems. And I promise that you will be more effective. I love you guys so much. I'm so happy to be back on my regular podcast microphone because the popping I have a pop guard here, meaning every time I say the letter P, like it makes this sound. Oh, I'm just so happy to be back on my podcast microphone, but I'm just checking in today, continuing on this, you know, one year of daily podcast episodes. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for being patient and just helping me as I go through this process. And I, I'm just grateful today. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.